All right, let's go ahead and have a seat. In our new new church chairs. All right. I love the, the excitement and the camaraderie. So good. All right. Hey, um, Philip, thank you so much. Derek, I feel like I'm a little hot. Just a little hot. Well, as, as we've sort of announced, as we've sort of announced, um, this is a soft opening. So uh, we're just, you know, still kind of getting used to the space. Uh, as you can see, we have half new chairs, half older chairs, and that's because the other half are somewhere in Amazon world. Um, I, I ordered all of them at the same time, and half of the order got canceled, and uh, they're, they're somewhere between giving me my money back and finding the chairs. So we'll see who wins that battle. But uh, nevertheless, prayerfully, we'll have the rest next week. Um, and there's a few other you know, things here and there, and we're still dialing in the sound in this room, but in general... We're super excited. Um, I still feel like I'm a little bit hot, but maybe that's just me. Okay. Well, we are, um, we are diving into a series that's going to answer the question, why do I love Heart Church so much? Like, I don't know what it is, but I just love it here. Anybody with me? Why do I love it here so much? Um, I'm answering that question for me because I love it here. And that's one of the desires for us when Heather and I planted this church together with the team is to say, listen, if, if we don't love going to church, if our kids don't love going to church, then we've planted the wrong church. Um, and so first and foremost, this needs to be a place where, where we love coming and almost three years in, we still love coming. Yeah. And, uh, and so every year at the beginning of the year, we do a series called Heartbeat. And I did the same series this time last year. Many of you weren't here at that point in our church. That was before we ever did an outdoor service. That was right before the pandemic. It seems like 10 years ago, but it was just a year ago. Um, and uh, it, it'll be slightly different, but nevertheless, answering the question, um, what, what is it about Heart Church? Uh, we don't have the answer Meaning, we're not the only church that on the you know we're not the church on the corner that has all the answers. We're just one of many amazing churches in this city, and I believe wholeheartedly that God's called the church, capital T Church, uh, capital C Church, to to really reach a city. It takes multiple churches because there's so many different people. They're so diverse, and so uh, if any church is saying, "Hey, we're the only church." Um, I think that, that they've lost their way a little bit because we need everybody. We need all churches. And I have an incredible relationship with uh, pastors in this city. And we cheer one another on because we need each other. And every church, just like every family, is unique. I'm not trying to make my family like your family. And I hope you're not doing that uh, to, towards my family because you're unique. Your kids are unique. Your family dynamic is unique and special as is the church. It's a family. It's supposed to be unique. And we are unique and uniquely us. And I believe some of the things we're going to talk about are things that bind us together. And, and we're going to change a lot over the next five years, 10 years, Lord willing, and he hasn't come yet, 20 years. Heart Church is going to look very different. But there are some things 
that won't change. Now, obviously, we're going to stay anchored to the Word of God. That's not going to change. But there's some unique things about our DNA, about our mission, about our call, about who we are and how we express the kingdom of God that won't change when the wall paint changes and when the walls get blown out and when we go to a different location and when we're outside and when we're online. These things won't change. And hopefully, these are the things that make you go, ah, that's what I love about Heart Church. Um, I've been preaching online for three of the last four Sundays. So excuse me if I'm a little bit more expressive, but I'm just really glad I get to preach to a live audience. Uh, There's nothing like telling a story to a camera because the feedback on the camera is just lame. Never smiles, never laughs, never, never does anything. And never tells me if I'm boring, like you're going too long. It's just nothing. He just stares at me. So you guys are a breath of fresh air. And as such, um, I got a story. So, um, I I like to go shopping. I got a pair of new shoes, um, for the new church building, white for like the walls. Um, I like shopping and I haven't done a a lot of it, um, in, in the last number of years just because I've learned to prioritize my money better. But, um, a couple of years ago I was going shopping and we, um, uh, we were in Washington at the time, Washington state where we lived. And there's a store called Buckle. And this store is similar to a store you'd find in the mall. In fact, this was a store in the mall. And they had like, you know, jeans and shirts and guys and girls clothes. And kind of like, uh, you know, uh, clothes that would be good for like, you know, people in their, you know, 20s and 30s, you know, more millennial style. And at the time, I was in my 30s. And um, I was going in for a pair of jeans. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I don't need help shopping. So when I go into a store where the customer, the, the customer service is like, you know, the, I don't know if they, you know, they get some incentives for selling, but when they're trying to like overly help you, I'm like, just leave me alone. I know how to shop. In fact, I went to a store yesterday getting these shoes, you know, and the guy came up to me like three times in five minutes. Hey, is there anything I can help you with? And I'm like, I just need to be left alone so I can look at clothes, right? So anyway, um, so I'm in the store and this store, just the customer service is just over the top. They're just all in your face, right? So I get some jeans to try to try on, and I go into the dressing room, and I'm trying these jeans on, and while I'm in the dressing room, the customer service gentleman, bless his heart, who's trying to help me, he goes, hey, um, not only how's everything working out, which oftentimes they'll yell that, how's everything working out, um, but then he started tossing other clothing, like, hey, you like jeans, hey, maybe you like this V-neck. Or, hey, here's another different pair of jeans that you might like. Just kind of tossing them over, which had never happened to me before. But I'm just like, I'm getting a little frustrated at this point, right? So I've got a pile of clothes in the dressing room that I didn't even select that I'm supposed to try on. So at this point, I'm just done with the experience. I'm like, I just need to get out of here. And so I do what you do when you're in the dressing room and you don't like clothes that you're trying on and there's somebody right outside the door trying to help you, is that I hung the clothes that I don't want, which is all of them that, you know, I had brought in, on the door. And he was quick to take them. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of done. I hung them up. I kind of gave him the indication that like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done. So I hang them all up. He quickly takes them and moves on to the next customer. And I'm left in the dressing room and realizing that the jeans I brought in on my person 
had also made their way to the top of the door and now taken. So I'm in the dressing room, a grown man, mind you, and I don't have any pants. So I'm like, shoot. So I go, um, excuse me, sir, are you still out there? Nothing. <laughs> sir, I'm a little louder, right? Sir, are you still out there? Nothing. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to stay in here like all day till they close. So I, I like, I like get under the, you know, so there's a space under the door. So I like get under, I'm like looking around. I don't know what I'm looking for at this point. Am I going to make a run for it? I don't know. So I'm looking and I notice there's a table close by with like clothes on it. And so I like, I like make my way under the door just enough to like reach up and grab like the nearest clothing that I can get and pull it down thinking like hopefully it'll be something I can wear until I can go find my clothes. Sure enough, it's a pair of jeans. I'm like, perfect. I'm just going to put these on. I don't care how they fit. I'm going to put these on. I'm going to go get my clothes. And I, but I realized that it's like a woman's pair of jeans and it's got like the bling on the bottom. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know what? I've got relatively skinny legs, you know? So I'm just going to go for it. So I'm like putting these things on. I get, I mean, I couldn't like, wouldn't like really button, but I just put my shirt over it. I've got these super tight jeans, bling on the bottom. And I'm walking around the store looking for the guy. I finally find him. Sure enough, he's got my jeans. I bring them back. I take them on. And I get out of there. Never been back since. <laughs> Anybody want to go shopping? Okay. Um, here's, Here's my firm conviction about this year. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I don't typically talk about the enemy because I'd way rather focus on Jesus. And this sermon isn't about the enemy. But I believe that we should enter the year with a real understanding. But first and foremost, God is doing something new. I know he's doing something in you. And it's incredible. And it's good. And it's not going to be punishment for all the bad things you did in 2020. He's not going in 2021, all right, you better be better. No, he's like, I can't wait to bless you, to lead you into the new things I have for you, this new relationship that I want to give you. But the enemy, he has already come up with a strategy for your life. And his strategy is to keep you stuck. His strategy is to keep you from that new amazing thing God has for you. And so I just want to encourage us as we start this year and as we dive into this heartbeat thing and what our church is about and what we get to lean into, I want to challenge you to lean in this year. I want to challenge you to be aware of the enemy. And can I say that that a real practical strategy of the enemy that he's already got slated for you. It's already done. He's, the whole year, he's already got planned out. He's a great planner. Listen, I haven't planned out the year, but he has. He's already planned out the year. And he's planned strategic times to, to, to diminish, hopefully diminish the thing God wants to do. And can I tell you the primary tool that's already on the calendar? You know, like when you look at the calendar and there's like big things like Christmas, it's already on there. It's not moving. There's like big rocks in the jar in the calendar. And for the enemy, there's a big rock in the jar already for your life. And it's this simple one. He wants to distract you. 
Doesn't sound sexy. Doesn't sound like a guy with a pitchfork and horns and a tail. And he's like, oh, I want to destroy you. No. It's going to come across as just, I just want to make you busy. I want to make you preoccupied. I want to make you focused on all the wrong things. Because if I can divert your energy, if I can get you get enough sideways energy going, then you will not have the time. You will not have the bandwidth. You will not have the emotional connection to be able to lean in to the good thing that God is doing. And so here's the good news. We already know it's coming. So just like you're prioritizing your finances, some of you are like, yeah, I need to do that. Just like you're prioritizing your marriage and your relationships, just like that, I want us to prioritize leaning into God this year and to say, you know what? I'm not going to get distracted. I'm gearing up. I'm not going to get distracted. I know when it's coming. And so when it comes, no, that's a distraction. I'm not, enemy, I'm not going to do that. And it's just like the enemy to promise you the world and then he leaves you in the, in, in the uh, dressing room with no pants. He does it every time, right? You know what I'm talking about. The enemy comes and steals. He promised you everything. Like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to find my new pair of pants. I'm going to feel so good about myself because there's nothing better than comfort jeans. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people go for comfort food. I go for comfort jeans. Get us some really nice pair of clothes that will make you feel good, but it leaves you empty. And that's what distractions do. They look like, oh, this is something worth going after. But if it's a distraction, it's going to leave you empty and going, wow, how did I lose my way? How did I miss out on what God is going to do? Good? Yes. So, the, so I'm going to talk about three things that, um, that we are about as Heart Church. And then over the next three weeks, I'm going to unpack these things. So I'm not really going to do a deep dive into any one of these things because I'm going to do a teaching on them over the next three weeks. But these are our core heartbeat. These are the reasons why you love Heart Church. And the first one is this. We're a community that loves Jesus. We are a community that loves Jesus. And these are the three things. Serve one another, adopt our city. We are a community that loves Jesus. And I want to I start by introducing a passage that I've preached on before, but I just want to give the highlight because it really is the premise behind what we believe about loving Jesus. Because when you say that, it can mean a thousand different things. And most of the time, as good Christians, who, or, or people that are trying to be good Christians, loving Jesus often triggers something in our mind that has to do with something that you need to do different in the new year. You need to be better at loving Jesus because in 2020, let's be honest, you weren't very good at loving Jesus. And so really what you need to do is be better. That's what it could mean. It's not what it means at all. It's the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, I think that that will do the opposite for you. So let me unpack it. Luke chapter 10, this is a familiar um, story. It says, Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Mar Mar Martha became frustrated by finishing the numerous household chores. Keep, stay on this slide. Go back. He's so, he's so on it. I want you to recognize Mary sat down. And I want you to recognize Martha finished the chores. Next slide. So Martha interrupts Jesus and says, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all 
the work. This is a simple idea. This is what our community is about. First and foremost, we are about learning to sit. Learning to sit. In the temple, before Jesus died on the cross, all the way up until Jesus' time, in the temple, there were no chairs. And it was a firm rule. There were never a chair in the temple. Because a priest would never sit down while he's on duty. And it was to symbolize something very important and significant, and that is the work's not done. Before Jesus, the work was never done. Turn to your neighbor and say, never done. It was this tireless pursuit to be right with God. You were always aware that the work is not done. I am so far from God and there's so far to go. And so I have to work so hard every single day because there is such a gap between me and Jesus, me and God. There's animal sacrifices and rituals and do good stuff and all of these things to get there. The work is never done. And so when we see this story and we see Mary and Martha and the big deal that the gospel makes of this story and the big deal that Jesus made of Mary's choice to sit while Martha did all the work symbolized something massively important. And that is because Jesus pointed it out. Mary chose the right thing. Martha's like, no, you don't, you, don't wanna, you don't understand. There's so much to do. And Jesus is like, no, this is a foreshadowing of there isn't anything else to do because the work is finished. So Mary sits. In other words, there's nothing that you need to do to accept, to earn God's acceptance. Nothing. And so what it looks like to love Jesus more is not to do better. Let that sink in. Jesus is not asking you to be or do better or more this year. We think, we, we think that we got to do more because there's so much good stuff that we should do. There's so many good things that would be helpful. Listen, reading your Bible is a really, really great choice of activity, right? It's a great choice. It's going to help you. But you know what the best choice is? Oh. I don't have to do anything. The most profound, loving act in the gospel was Mary recognizing it's time for me to take a seat. And any other choice is going to leave me empty and tired. Come to me, all you who are weary and I will give you a seat. And Martha's like, no, there's so much to do. 
Have you seen my life? Like, there's, I'm a mess. There's so much that needs to be fixed. Why would I sit when I could work to be better? Well, there's only really one answer to that. And that's where true transformation comes from. Because listen, I'm a mess. I don't want to be more like 2020, Shane. I want to be 2021, all that God has for me, Shane. I want to grow. I want to change. And so if I'm going to get there sitting here, doesn't make a lot of sense. And the next slide is the, the difference between heart transformation and behavior modification. If you just want to have better behavior in 2021, then put the seed away and get really good at working hard because you can change your behavior. You don't even need the Holy Spirit to change your behavior momentarily. But it will not change anything on the inside. It will be an act. It will be a facade. And even with your best intentions, it will be a facade. And you can fool everybody around you except yourself because you know at the end of the day that nothing has really changed. Your activity is just different. But if you want heart transformation, then it requires this. God, I recognize that I'm powerless to change me. And most importantly, it's not my job. It's not my job. It's your job. My job is to behold you. We all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his image. Listen, if you don't hear anything else, our journey with Heart Church to love Jesus is learning to behold his goodness, his finished work on the cross. And when we behold him, he changes us. And that transformation changes everything. So you will talk different. You will act different. You will give differently. You will live differently. But it's not a behavior modification. It's a transformation on the inside that no one can take away. That's what it means to be a community that loves Jesus. Mary loved Jesus that day, not by serving him, but by beholding him. The next thing is we're going to learn to serve one another. I love this one. I believe that the church has the corner on the market when it comes to relationships. The world's desperately trying to find these relationships. And I'll tell you, in 2021, it will never be more real and more prevalent because people have been isolated. People have been alone and they're craving connections. Anybody with me? We are all craving connections. And the church has an opportunity. In fact, Jesus said that when, when this happens, when they love one another and you see that connection, that everyone will take notice that the church has shown up that they are my disciples because of this connection. And so we have a saying, um, and, it's, and it's a culture of honor, and it comes out of Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And it says this, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And the next slide is the definition of honor, and that's honor is the recognition of value. 
That's it. Now listen, there's a whole honor thing about you know, honor your leaders and all that, which I fully believe in. I think it's biblical. But at its core base, honor is simply a recognition of value. And in this house, and the reason why you love Heart Church and why I love Heart Church is that anybody darkens the door of, that, of this church, anybody who walks into this parking lot, anybody who comes to a small group or an event gets to be valuable. But it's the reason why they're valuable that's important. See, in some, in some communities, in some businesses, in some neighborhoods, in some families, you get to be valuable if you behave a certain way or if you believe a certain way. But in this house, biblically, you get to be valuable because you're valuable. You're valuable. In our, in our culture, something is deemed valuable because of three things. What somebody will pay for it. Some things you're like, I don't know why that's expensive. It just is, and people buy it, so it's expensive. <laughs> right? Well, Jesus gave his life for you. So you're valuable. Something gets to be valuable because of who made it. Right? Like there's, there's, there's works of art that are valuable because of the signature on the bottom. It's like that so-and-so painted this or sculpted that or whatever. And it's, it's valuable. Well, you were, you were made by the creator of the world. <laughs> Handcrafted. There's no one on the planet like you. You are immensely valuable. And the last thing, the reason why something's valuable, and the car collectors in the room will appreciate this, because of how rare it is. There's some, like, some cars and some things that they're immensely valuable because there's, like, there's only a hundred of them made or whatever. It's, it's extremely rare. There's nothing more rare than you. Nothing on the planet. You are immensely valuable. Every person that walks into this place, we get to treat as valuable. Now, this is an extremely hard thing to do, and it's, a, it's an invitation to get all kinds of messy. And listen, no one in this room should pretend that we intrinsically know how to do this. This is so difficult. And our culture, it teaches the absolute opposite. This requires to get into the mess and go, oh my gosh, you are so not like me. And there's things that frustrate me about you. And there's things that you do that I don't even agree with. And yet, oh, you're still valuable. It's kind of a crisis we hit. It's like a little bit of a crisis. It's very easy to treat somebody valuable that you appreciate, that you connect with, that you like admire at some level. It's like, yeah, you're valuable and I can honor that. And then there's everybody else. It's like, I can love you with like Christ-like love, but like honor, I honor the value that you are. That's a whole nother story. And when we do that, watch out. Because people that, that is what people go, well, wait a minute. I've never experienced that. That is unique. That is special. And can I tell you in my experience, this is one of Jesus' favorite tools to shape you. There is nothing that will shape you into the image of Jesus than an invitation that he gives you to love and honor somebody that you don't connect with, that you don't get at all. 
You're just like, I can't, I don't, I can't even be around you because of the way you live your life is so strange that I just, I don't know what to do with you. And Jesus says, awesome. I get to shape you and mold you into my son because of an invitation to honor all people. We get to look each other in the eyes just below the mask and say, I see you. And there's value in there. And it's not valuable because I've assessed something about you based on my perfection. As if I, I, as if I can point out what's valuable. That's the irony of it all. As if I can somehow point out what's valuable based on how you behave or how you think or how you dress as opposed to the creator that says, no, there's value in there that you can't even fathom. And lastly, on this point, what I love is that the Bible says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Given us. And recognition uh, and, and reconcil- reconciliation at its core is restoring something to its original intent. So God, in his goodness, in this in this wonderful idea of honoring one another, outdoing one another, and showing each other that they're valuable, is stepping into this God-given role of reconciliation, that we get to help people become who they were originally intended to be. Their purpose their destiny. I mean, has anybody come closer to your destiny because somebody decided to see past your faults, past your shortcomings, and see something in you that you couldn't see for yourself? I wouldn't be who I was, who I am, if it wasn't for my spouse, if it wasn't for people in my life that saw me and said, I believe in you. There's value there that you don't know is there. Let me call you up to that. This is a culture of honor. And this is what Heart Church is about. And lastly, we get to adopt our city. When Heather and I planted this church, we said, we want to be boots on the ground. We, we want our city to take notice. We do not want to be a church that just finds itself in four walls. And, and I've been in ministry, full-time ministry, Heather and I, for a really long time, over 20 years. And I'll tell you, I have been in a lot of different churches, great churches, and we just get stuck managing the machine. You get to a point where you're just like, every day I wake up, I go to work, and I'm just like managing just managing, making sure the lights stay on and the chairs are organized and the ministries are going and everyone's happy and I'm pitting out fires. And and all the while, there's people out there that need Jesus. And so God gave us a facility that's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven portals to remind us that there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And that is why we're here. Listen, I love this space. I love worshiping. I love all of you. And, and I love getting together. 
But man, I love it so much when we get to be outside these walls. And from day one, we've done that. You've done that. We've done incredible things. And we are going to continue to give ourselves, not just to do good, but to believe that when we extend ourselves in the ways that we know how, meeting practical needs like Jesus did with the loaves and the fish, that he takes that, he makes it supernatural, and he draws people's hearts to him. Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 says this, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you strange, a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And he answered, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. This is an invitation to live a life of significance. Listen, church, I believe wholeheartedly that God has handcrafted each of us to live a life of significance beyond ourself, bigger than ourselves, for his glory and his kingdom. And what I love about all the craziness going on in our world is I get to come to work and say, you know what? I'm going to put, give myself to building a kingdom that can't be shaken. Because we know this kingdom can. I mean, we've been shaken. But God's kingdom, it will never be shaken. And that is the kingdom we get to give ourselves to. I love, in closing, and Derek, I'm going to have you get ready. I'm going to have him come up in a minute. Um, I love... Um, going back to Mary and Martha because, because Mary lived this. See, see, when you try to live a life of significance, when, when you're Martha and, and you're busy doing stuff and you're just trying to please people and you're trying to, you're trying to do better so you can be accepted, so you can find yourself doing a lot of good and you can get tired and get worn out and in the end, it doesn't produce a lot. We've all been there. Here's Mary. She's seated. In a time when there's a lot to do, she said, you know what? The most important thing is I learned this first. Before I do or give anything, I'm going to learn to love Jesus. Jesus from the inside. And I don't know what's going to happen after that, but, but I know that I have to get that first. So then a couple of chapters later, Jesus is with the disciples. You know the story. Mary shows up with this pound of costly oil and she dumps it on Jesus. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, you just wasted like $30,000. We could have done so much with that. In fact, one of them says we could have served so many poor people with that. That was a waste. See, when, when we learn to love Jesus in a way that produces transformation, then the byproduct is an overflow to God. I want us serving the city 
I want our overflow. I want our giving. That's why we don't talk about giving a lot here. Listen, I believe in giving. I tithe. We have a giving box back there. You kind of have to be an insider to like figure it out if you can give online. But like I believe in it as a biblical principle. But we don't talk about it a lot here because I believe there's so many people that are just still trying to do more good than bad. And you got to get off of that merry-go-round. But when you choose to be in, to encounter God, then the byproduct is an overflow that says, listen, how much can I give? Is there a limit? Because if not, every time the door's open, I'm going to be here. Every time there's an opportunity, I'm giving. Every time there's something to pour my life into something of significance, I'm in. And you can't tell me no because I'm so fired up and so excited, it's bubbling up over me. That's called transformation. That's called, you're a different person than you were before. And the byproduct of that different person is your response. This is how we serve the city. Not out of obligation. We don't serve the city out of obligation or some tax write-off. We serve the city because you know what? God has been so good. He's changed my life. And if I can help you in any way, you can have it. I want to live a life where I lay my head down on the pillow and I'm not only at rest because of the goodness of God, but I've said, God, I've poured my life out as a drink offering and it has been my greatest honor. I want to invite Derek up. Derek is on our church council and he's our treasurer and he is one of the most uh, amazing men that I know. Derek has been a part of our church since we were in the house. And um, he's such an incredible confidant. And I just thought I'd like to end this service as we talk about outreach, as we talk about our city, as we talk about the things that we like to do in the new year, and really kind of talk about the whole idea of making room and the way that God spoke to us to make room, um, not only with this space, but in our lives and as our church of what God's going to do in 2021 and how specifically we can partner with God in that. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry you have to end with me after, after Pastor Shane, but I do much better in the back of the room. Um, not, not true. That's exactly right. I don't know about that. But, um, you know, this year, 2020, well, so let me go give you a little bit of history about myself in the sense that in 2019, I went through a challenge that was one of the biggest challenges financially in my life. Um, there was something that I didn't feel I was, should be held responsible for, and it put a huge financial burden on me and my family for something that I wasn't even a part of. And, uh, you know, it went to legal and all of that. Well, I lost, and I had to pay this huge amount of debt. I thought I was going to die with this debt. This was a debt that was put on me that, what could I do? I prayed. I went to uh, Pastor Shane. I even went to Ed's house. We prayed about it. Life group. And guess what? I lost. And I had to pay a tremendous amount of money. They put a lien on my house, all this other stuff. And so I was looking into all the different angles of what can I do with this, this, this thing that's put on me, this, this load of debt. And I'm being charged interest on top of this. And I had to pay lawyer fees and all this other stuff. It ballooned out to a number that I didn't even pay that much for my house. So this is the thing that, so God was talking to me and, what, and 
as I was praying, and, you know, I just came to the realization that, okay, this is my debt. I will die with this thing. Just like, you know, the thought of any of us, especially when you're younger, are we ever going to pay off our house? Well, you'll probably just die with that debt, and maybe you'll sell it and downsize and all that, but it's not something we really think about. Can I ever pay off my house? Well, this is exactly what I was thinking about this debt. Well, you have a lien on your house. I can't refi it. I can't do all these things because I had this other lien on my house. So it really put a financial burden on me and my wife, and we just went about life doing what we could. But through praying and really trusting on God, God put something in me, and it wasn't in me, and it wasn't even something I understood because I still don't understand God's math. I still do not understand God's math. But what God laid on me was, how much more can I give? How much more generosity can I give? So I made a purpose starting in 2019 to pay my tithes, which, come on, if you're, if you're open and honest, that's something that always is one of those last things that we do, even though it should be our first fruits. So I made sure I paid my tithes is best, you know, every time, paid our tithes, and then any time there was a need of generosity and I could give, I gave. Whether it was $50, $20, whatever I could, I gave and supported this church as much as I could because God laid it on my heart that said, okay, you've got this debt. They're going to take their payments out automatically anyway. What more can we do? And let me tell you, by trusting God, now, was it easy? No, because through the walk and through going through this, there was always that thing in your mind. Why are you giving that? You could be paying down this other debt. Why are you giving that $20? You could be paying this down. But I trusted God. I trusted what he put on my heart, which is, let me, let me see what I can do. This is what God was telling me. Let me see what I can do for you. Let me see what I can do. Because I pretty much couldn't do anything else myself personally, so I trusted God. And let me tell you, coming out of 2019, going into 2020, in two years' time, God not only allowed me to pay the lawyer off completely, because I was making payments to the lawyer even. I couldn't even afford the lawyer. I paid the debt back. And it wasn't me, it was God, because I still don't understand how the math works. But I made the last payment in December for this debt that I thought I was going to die with. That is God. That is God's math that is not my own, because I couldn't do it. I didn't even make enough in a year to cover the interest of additional payments when I was really looking at this debt. God's math works. And here's what I know, and here's what I can stand on, well, sit on, is the fact that I trusted God. I gave what I could when I could, and I trusted God. And I believe it's because of our community. I believe it's because of Heart Church, because of Pastor Shane and, and Heather, and because of everybody in this room that has really been an example to me to say, you know what? How much can we give and can we outgive God? Can we really outgive God? And when we have those financial situations, can we outgive God? Because it still doesn't make sense to me how it all came about. 
but I was able, and the biggest thing, and I still have it on my desk right now, was that letter from the, the, the other attorney saying, here is your lien release. There was no longer a lien on my house. That is the biggest thing that I've got it right there on my desk because that shows God works. And when there's, and let me tell you, all along the way, and I was telling this to Pastor Shane, I've been able to, to look for different additional ways to, to help out. I've been able to look for additional ways to give as much as I can. And it doesn't mean I can give everything, but it, God shows ways that says, let me see what we can do. If you'll be faithful in these things, let me show you what you can do. So I believe as Heart Church, there are three ways that we can support the church and, th and three ways that we, as a community and as a family of Heart Church, that we need to support. One is through prayer. Are we praying for the church? Are we praying for one another? This is something personal that I've taken on a lot more of. Am I praying for each and every one of you? Are you praying for me? This is how we grow our church. It's God in the middle, God in the center. Then are we volunteering when we can? Are you volunteering when there's a need? And do, are we waiting to be asked? Or do we step up and volunteer? In December, I got a phone call out of the blue from Joe saying, hey, I noticed that the floors were dirty. Is it, can, is it okay if I go over and, and, and clean the floors? Nobody asked him. He volunteered. Thank you, Joe. Those are the type of things that I believe that we as a community can step up and do more. So are we volunteering and not even waiting to be asked? The last is, are we paying our tithes, but then are we giving when there's a need? Tithes is our part, and that's what's biblical. God is saying, pay your tithes, because that's your first, the 10%. But above and beyond, when there's a need, such as this building, as we know, building this building, I mean, I see it as in a business sense. Okay, we've gone past our beginning phase. We've shown ourselves. Now we're actually taking an office and making it look like a church. Where before, we looked like a modified office, right? Now we are a church. We are putting our roots down right here, and we are proud, proud to say this is Heart Church come and visit, right? Because before, I needed you to come in, but then also then, let's get Crystal on the stage and sing, and let's get Pastor Shane up. Now we'll feel like a church, but now they can come in and we look like a church. We look like we've got our roots here, but our next, we've got more steps. The, the issues that with the steps are, now we need to raise funds. So I am asking you, please join me. Let's pray, and let's see if God lays on your heart an amount that you can give above and beyond because we've got a room across the hallway. It's a kid's area. That looks like a warehouse. we got to turn it from looking like a warehouse into a community center, into something that our kids, that we can grow because there's these buildings sit empty. They sit empty in the week. And we've got to figure out a way to use it for the community, to get outside the windows like Pastor Shane was talking, and to grow. It's like tentacles growing out there. That's where I believe. And I, will, I can't wait for the day that we have to come and say, okay, we have to move because we've outgrown our building. That would be a, an awesome day. So thank you guys all, and thank you for doing, you know, listening to God. And I pray that uh, as we move forward,
we can just listen to God and give what we can. Thank you. So incredible. Um, to put a finer point on what we're trying to raise specifically to cover um, the kids' space is $10,000. Uh, so far, we've already brought in almost 30. And so uh, you guys have been generous. God's been good. Like I said, our denomination gave us 10, so it's been really, really awesome. Um, a lot of the what you see has been done volunteer or like literally incredible deals. Um, and so we're going to continue to build and continue to grow. Um, but uh, if you do want to give, you can give online. Given the box, you can ask somebody um, and uh, to raise that ten thousand dollars. Lastly, as we close, we have our next small group book. Many of you have been in our small groups on Wednesday night. What's that? Come on, life group. Um, many of you actually met our church because you came to a life group, but nevertheless. Our life group meets on Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to meet Ed and Sally's starting on the 20th of this month. And so uh, 6 to 7.30, if, even if you're not going to a life group, uh, grab one of these books. It's $10, so just put $10 in there or pay online or whatever. Uh, you don't have to pay today to take a book. Uh, grab one because these are incredible. It's what we're going to be going through, and it is going to be an awesome journey. So we'll kind of explain how we'll go through it in our small group. I'll talk a little bit more about it next week because it is a 40-day journey, but we're not going to track it for 40 days. We're going to you know, kind of do week by week. But it is a fantastic read, and it's really going to um, bring a lot of growth in our personal life. Good? Well, Father God, we love you. Thank you so much for this moment that we've had together, this soft opening. Lord, as we begin to launch the ministries and things that you have for Heart Church this year. And so, God, I ask for your blessing God, I ask that you'd speak to us about how we might um, link arms with one another this year to accomplish all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.